So it seems as though 2021, I feel like they just want to see what they have, evaluate the roster with Jalen Hurts, and then see maybe in 2022 if maybe that's the direction they're trying to go. If they are trying to, if they are still trying to acquire a quarterback, I personally don't agree with it. I feel like if you were going to get a QB, this would be the year to do it. I'm just not the biggest of Zach Wilson's fans, but we're just going to have to see. So I definitely do think that they're gearing a little bit more towards the 2022 season as opposed to the 2021. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. And we are back here on the Stebby Podcast Radio Show, streaming on WNSC Radio, Season 3, Episode 30 of our great show, a familiar cast as usual, myself, my ride partner, Michael Gray, wherever he is. Pleasure to have you back on, my man. We're back in the DMV, man. You know, we're back home, so it's all good. You know what I mean? So it's, it's always good to be back home, man. It's, 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 it's good, nothing but good energy right now. How about you, man? How's, how you doing? Everything is good here on our side as well. We're in good spirit, good health. Another great, great sunny day here in the Central Florida area, 70s. I wish you could say the same where you're at, Mike. Yeah, I can say the same. It's 75, almost 80 degrees where I'm, where I'm at right now. You know, I'm not in the frozen tundra of the tri-state area. I'm back home in the DMV, so it's, it's, it's nothing but good weather right now, good vibes. Uh, that, that sun is out today. Yeah. <laughs> That is good. That is good. That is good indeed. And we're all in good spirit because it's March and March is known for great basketball and great in its entirety for everything. Mike, we're right in the thick of things for all sports. NBA free agency to trade deadlines to March Madness in full throttle. And of course, um, the NFL draft is coming up real soon here. But Mike, we start off with the NBA, the latest news that we just um, start off with that would be the trade deadline last night where a lot of contenders made moves and some didn't make moves um key players the the orlando magics where i'm from mike they just you know what i'm saying mike they they just threw the house in you know what i'm saying <laughs> they, they, they got rid of everything i <laughs> said you know what we're gonna go back to the drawing board i'm gonna scratch everybody letting nikola vucevic two-time all-star nikola vucevic leave uh the bulls acquiring him um, and Al Farouk Amino for the rights of Wendell Carter Jr. and multiple picks. 
The other splash was the Denver Nuggets, Mike. What a what a day they had. Aaron Gordon acquiring Aaron Gordon for the rights of RJ Hampton and some uh, future picks there as well. So Aaron Gordon is going to the Denver Nuggets. Most thought that he would go to the Blazers or perhaps a contending team like the Phoenix Suns. But it ends up that he's going to the Mile High City in Denver to pair up with Jokic and Jamal Murray. And then lastly, of course, Evan Fournier to my beloved Boston Celtics. Of course, we thought that we'd do more, but we'll take them. They're averaging career high, Mike, 19.7 per game in Orlando, second leading scorer on the team. And uh, you could say that it was a pretty good bargain, Mike, two second rounders. Um, and I, I think that Boston did well as well. So headlines, Orlando just ready to just – it's a dumpster fire right here in Orlando. They just gave everybody away, Mike. Yeah, it sounds like full rebuild mode, you know what I mean? Especially this year with the young guys. You know, you already have Mike Epworth for the season. So young guys with like Cole Anthony, these, these are these are big moments for him. To, to get even more shots and to really take over and stuff like that, but um, it's uh, it's it's like it seems like full rebuild mode in Orlando, and that's what they're headed right now. But um, yeah, yeah. that these guys went to Aaron Gordon going to the Nuggets was a huge, was a huge pickup along with Javale McGee. The Denver Nuggets made some big moves. Aaron Gordon would be a nice fit with them as long as uh, able to you know create his shots within that offense, able to find his niche because they have a lot of they have a lot of um cooks in the kitchen, if you will, as far as, you know, bucket getters, especially coming around playoff time. So we'll see if he's able to fit in that as as, as well as Evan Fournier. But Evan Fournier went to a great uh, spot in Boston. You know, he adds another offensive weapon, another brother that can create his own shot and really, really not really um, score at will in the playoffs. So um, the only question is, 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 is he going to find his offense in that rotation? And, and that's going to be the key. But, yeah, a lot of a lot of big moves. And you, as you can see, Orlando is uh, – Orlando's in full rebuild mode. Yeah, I would say tank for Cade, but they're not as bad as the Timberwolves <laughs> or some of these other teams. Right. <laughs> but I, I second to that. Um, I agree with everything you mentioned there. I thought the Denver Nuggets were huge winners, Mike. You think about the Western Conference, you think about the postseason, you're going to have to have wings. You need athletic wings and guys that can match up defensively in multiple positions. That was underratedly, that was Jeremy Grant for them last year. You know, yes. Jeremy Grant got paid big-time money to go to uh, Detroit, and they lost that. Now they get that back. Same versatility as Jeremy Grant. You get 6'9", long, lanky defender um, who can also, I think, is more skilled than, than Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon now. Um, because in the Western Conference, you need a guy to attack who's going to guard Devin Booker. Who's going to guard uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell? And then in a series with the Lakers or Clippers, you need a guy that can tangle with LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, and, and, and maybe some of these other elite wing players that they have in the Western Conference. I thought Denver did a fantastic job. They have two stars, and one of them is in the thick of things of the MVP race. I think he's a front runner right now. So uh, Denver did exceptionally well, Mike. And I thought sneakingly Chicago, Mike, did, did pretty good too. You know, getting Nikola Vucevic. Now you pair that up with Levine. That is two 25-plus bucket scores that you have on a team. I think Billy Donovan is satisfied. He wants that 1-5 pick and roll that, that you're going to have to guard now. That's that's going to be trouble for you because not only Vucevic can pick and roll, but he can pick and pop. And then Levine himself gets that mismatch. I think Chicago right now, they're sitting at the nine spot. They're trying to go all in on that last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, in a wide-open Eastern Conference where – from four to ten, Mike, it's only separated by three and a half games. 
Yeah, absolutely. Chicago was one of the biggest winners. Not not necessarily for this year per se, but for the future, because they they may have just uh, secured their superstar, their future superstar, Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine, uh, depending on how this season plays out for the Bulls, I would be uh, I, I would I would be um, I'm sure he'd be inclined to stay in Chicago for the near future. Uh, when you acquire somebody like a Nikola Vucevic, that's somebody that you can build with. Uh, with. With those two guys, you have a dominant, dominant big and a dominant guard. That's what you need in today's game. Uh, who's, who's actually a stretch, a stretch big who can actually uh, knock down the shot as well. So adds uh, adds a little flavor to his game. You also picked up an Alpha Rupamino who can knock down shots and play great defense with his length. So he adds to their to them to them defensively. So it's, it's and also getting Daniel Tice. Who's another stretch four, stretch five, however you want to, you know, play him in the rotation. So you're right, the Chicago Bulls. Right now, you might not see it um, uh, as far as the final record is concerned, but for the future and how they how they finish the season out is going to be huge. And we might have something special brewing in Chicago, uh, assuming that they keep their core together. And Mike, and always for a young team, you want veterans, right? Nikola Vucevic been around for a while. Also, is Alfu Gaminu and Daniel Tice himself as well. But now they're starting to bring that veteran leadership around some of these young guys like Zach Levine, Kobe White, and some of these guys is where Laurie Markkinen, maybe he hasn't reached his full potential yet, but might take a guy like Vucevic where you're playing him night in and night out in practice, (laughs) in practice (laughs) where it might get the best of you. So Chicago is definitely on the rise there for sure. A couple teams as well that did very well. I thought the Clippers, they, they wanted to get Kyle Lowry on his birthday, but the most decorated Raptor finally stayed home. I think Masia Ajiri did not find any enticing trades that made it possible for the Clippers to get anybody. I thought secondary, they wanted to get Lonzo Ball, but they ended up with Rajon Rondo. I think, Mike, this is good because you need a guy that's a floor general. Um, Rondo is a guy that pays attention to details, right? He's, he's kind of like a quarterback. He's an extra coach on the floor. Right. So he's going to mandate that type of attention and only worry about getting the ball to Kawhi and PG. And in postseason time, you always said it, Mike Rondo turns to a, de- a different demon. And I think this bodes well for Tyler's squad. I thought they did it very well, too. Yeah, they, they actually did. They, they got the point guard that they needed. You know, it's, it's, Rondo is one of those, you know, pure point guards who's his, his veteran, his IQ uh, is what's keeping them still relevant in this league because he sees the floor better than almost any point guard. Uh, we've seen in this generation, you know, so what he can, we saw what he, how invaluable and important he was to the other LA team last year with the championship and when he came back off injury. So Rondo, uh, his, his, his presence will be felt The the point guard position is where they needed to uh, solidify and shore up. And that's what they did. So now, so now uh, it was unfortunate that they lost Lou Williams, but however, they did get the point guard they needed. And I'm actually happy for the that he's actually going back home and, uh, to the Hawks where he could potentially finish his career out. Uh, congrats for Lou Williams and also for Lou Williams for hitting 15,000 career points the other day. So hats off to Lou Williams. He deserves uh, this moment right now. I know he's happy to go back home. Absolutely. 10,000 points for a bench player. That That is significant. You think about 10,000 points, you're like, what? Lou's only got 10,000 points, but um, that is a Oh, it was 10? It was 10? Yeah, was it fifteen, Mike? Or was I, I, it thought, 10? I thought I saw fifteen the other day. Fifteen, fifteen thousand. That's that's even that's 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 a great accomplishment, Mike. Fifteen is better than ten. Um, there for sure. It, it came at the expense of Lou Williams, but I think it's a win-win for both teams. We just got to make sure Lou Williams stays away from those uh, lemon peppers and those strip clubs. <laughs> back home, back home. Down there in Atlanta, Mike. 
He's back. That's the only thing that we really got to worry about. <laughs> Other big uh, players that um, got the Miami Heat pretty much made a splash themselves, getting Victor Oladipo. And, Mike, they got him for nothing, right? <laughs> we heard that. Uh, no, they wanted Drogic, maybe Duncan Robinson. The Raptors didn't want to give up Kyle Lowry because they wanted Tyler Hero. Yeah. But you look at what they gave up, Mike. They gave up nothing for Victor Oladipo, a guy that maybe the best part of his career is – in the rear mirror now it's 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 in the past but on a veteran team like miami that has a culture that has a winning culture he might just be the guy that buys in and and maybe helps them win a couple playoff series or two yeah he definitely could be that that, that, that piece for them especially from that position um I, I love what i've seen from victor oladipo in the past uh coming off injury he it just coming off the and not only just coming off the injury but finding his way and then also getting traded you know the the situation in Houston was was all over the place. It's, it's been a lot going on in Houston right now, so I can't really judge him and put too much pressure on him for that situation. And we knew from the jump there were rumors, there were speculations within the so within the circle of the NBA and the basketball universe that you know he eventually he was going to end up in Miami at some point in time. You know his relationship with Pat Riley is very tight. That organization is very tight. So we knew at some point whether it was going to be through a trade or or in the off season uh, next year. There was going to be a potential that he was going to be joining the Miami Heat. Well, they got it done early anyway. So now, now it's a situation where everybody's happy. Victor Oladipo is finally in a situation where he wants to be in coming off that uh, that injury in Indiana. And now he's in, now he's able to reshape, refocus, and do his thing. And in this situation, when this co- within this culture, they will bring the best out of Victor Oladipo. It's, it's, only, it's only right. This is the culture that he wanted. This, this is what we expect. So I expect him to, to shine, shine in Miami. I expect him to make some – make some splash plays, and, uh, and, and definitely go far in the playoffs. Absolutely there as well. Let's talk about some losers, Mike. We'll go down the list. I'll start off with the Philadelphia 76ers. I thought they wanted Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, we know he's a Villanova guy. He's a Philadelphia guy. He just fits that city. Tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar. We know what the city of Philadelphia is like, and, and that is, embodies what Kyle Lowry is. I thought the Sixers, they, 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 uh, the Raptors wanted Matisse Thibel, uh, uh, they wanted Maxi and a couple first round picks. I thought that was okay to get a like guy like Kyle Lowry, but they didn't get the job done. They, they ended up getting George Hill, but I thought they were a loser, Mike, because Kyle Lowry is the guy that we talk about Philadelphia every year. They've got potential, they've got all the necessary tools, but we believe they're one or two pieces away. A guy like Kyle Lowry would have made a drastic difference to potentially, you know, battle, you know, Milwaukee or Brooklyn for that um, Eastern Conference supremacy come postseason. I thought they were a huge loser in this. I agree. I agree. For Philadelphia definitely was looking for that guy because that point guard and Kyle Lowry could have could have definitely made Ben Simmons that much more flexible in your rotation. So yeah, I agree with you from that perspective. But I'm going to go to the, the team we just mentioned, the Toronto Raptors from this regard. When you give up a Norman Powell to a, that Portland, was huge. To a Portland Trailblazer team, and you get back Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Now, granted, I love both those young players. Gary Trent Jr. I, I, I like Gary Trent, Gary Trent a lot. I like Gary, Gary Trent a lot. Gary Trent, Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a nice, a nice player in this league for years and years to come. And Rodney, but Rodney Hood has been a shell of himself for the last couple of years since he's been in Portland. He hasn't found his niche. Yeah, he he's been he's been off this season. And Norman Powell was at the height of his uh, of his value right now. Norman Powell has been playing some very sneaky, great basketball. And uh, it's essentially, it's I, I I don't I don't I don't feel like it was an even trade to be honest with you. I feel like Portland won that trade. I feel like the Raptors lost that trade from, from that perspective because Norman Powell was playing some of the best basketball of his career 
right now. Yeah. And he's he's playing very good. So I feel like this is the worst time for them to lose him. And I don't feel like they got the right compensation for him. Yeah, definitely there for sure. Norman Powell, here's the stat, Mike. Norman Powell is third in the NBA in three-point percentage, shooting well over 42% from three. Number one is Joe Ingles. Number two is Joe Harris. Yeah. That is great piece for Terry Scott's team in Portland. Although, Mike, I, I thought they needed a, a, a front-court guy. I, they got Dame. They've got CJ. But, hey, you can never, ever uh, uh, have two yeah, little Portland, of Portland shooters. Did Portland did good by getting yes. power, but I feel like the Raptors lost that. Yep, absolutely there for sure. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, Mike, because they're interesting to me. AD is going to be out for, it, it seems like, a few more weeks. It's going to be more so four weeks plus. But LeBron James, they thought that he was going to come back in two weeks. Now it's it's re-aggravated. It's going to probably be another month. I looked at the Lakers schedule, Mike, and it is unfavorable. I thought that they were going to make a move because they needed a big. We know that they needed a big. Yeah. Marco saw that that experiment didn't work out. The best days of Marco saw is his past his prime in, in yeah, Memphis. Sure. But I thought they, they needed a big. But now you're telling me four plus weeks without AD, four plus weeks without LeBron. And then you've got the gruntle of a schedule coming up at Phoenix, at Dallas. I mean, they've got some tough, tough road games. And also home games. So I thought that didn't make a trade for a guy that can score. That can score, right? Yeah. I thought that didn't, but they didn't, Mike. So the Lakers right now, they're at four. We know how tough the Western Conference is without AD and Braun for the next month or so. They might slide as worse as seven, best case scenario, five. So you're saying LeBron James and AD and the Lakers will take it. They just want both of them healthy for a postseason. Like that's a lot to ask for those guys to be a seven seed to go on the road for three potential uh, playoff series to make it back to the, uh, to the, to the finals. I thought that the Lakers lost out because I, I would have went all in. If it's Kuzma, if I could move around KCP or maybe Dennis shooter to get some scoring, some added scoring because they need shooting Mike and they need scoring with AD and Brown. Now I thought Los Angeles missed out. That's the, the that's very true. I do feel like uh, the the Lakers definitely could have made a, a significant move, especially during this time with the injuries. However, I don't feel like it's going to hurt them as significantly crazy as um as you as you think. And I'm gonna tell you why, because at the end of the day, when you have those two great players and they're rested up and they're ready to go, you just want to get them in the playoffs. Now, I don't feel like they're gonna have this a uh, crazy significant drop off. I still feel that, feel like within this month gap, they're still gonna find their way to be in the top five. Top five potentially in the in the in, in the West, top six, so at some degree. And if there's a, f- a few regular season games left to be played before um before the playoffs start, I, I assume them to at least secure the top four or five position. That's that's just my assumption on things. And so, so sometimes we, we've seen situations in the past where sometimes the best team in the conference doesn't always um finish up top, but when when they match up against certain teams in the playoffs, it doesn't matter just because they're the better team. It's going to show. We saw it in 2015 with the Cavs when, when um, this first year back when Atlanta took the number one seed and they came back. What happened when Cleveland played Atlanta? They swept them. We saw it back in 2000, 2001 with Kobe and Shaq Lakers. They weren't the top seed. Uh, San Antonio was. But when San Antonio played the Lakers, who won? The Lakers swept them. So sometimes it's going to be – I feel like this is going to be a situation where as long as the Lakers are healthy and they're right, they're going to be in a good enough seed and a good enough position to where it doesn't matter who they play. They're, they're, they're going to be rested and well ready to go. So I, I feel like this is, this layoff isn't going to hurt them. It's only going to help them. Uh, furthermore, because it's giving their star players the, the necessary rest they need and to, to get back and shake back for the playoffs. 
We'll see. They want a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's their recipe for a repeat night, but at what expense? Expect a lot of losses these next couple of weeks for the Los Angeles Lakers. Another loser, Mike, was the Knicks. For all the great things that the Knicks did this year, Mike, um, they're they're probably the story of the NBA. Um, outside of maybe Monty Williams, I think Thibodeau should be coach of the year. Um, you know, uh, honors doc will get some votes we know quinn snyder as great as he is he'll get some votes but i think it's between monty williams and this guy right but the knicks i, I didn't understand what they did mike they let austin rivers go a guy that's had postseason pedigree and they let um a, another guy go with some future draft picks i can't remember who it was for terrence ferguson now he is a great leaper great defender but I, I didn't understand that. I, I thought the Knicks could really, really go all, not all in, but get some quality veteran pieces that um that could really help them. I would have loved to see though, George Hill in, in a Nick uniform or, or some of these other great pieces. Al Horford, Mike. Al Horford is a guy in Oklahoma City who's in a dysfunctional franchise. I thought a guy like that, a veteran, would be great for New York City and what they want to do. I thought they missed out. Yeah, yeah, New York missed out, but yeah, I'm glad you went up Al Hofer because I actually I was surprised that he wasn't on a contending team, whether whether it was the Knicks or any, any other team. I, I I expected before the trade deadline was over that he was going to be on some contending team for a championship. I was just I was I was surprised to see him not get moved. I'm, I'm so I'm glad you brought him up. But you're right, the Knicks. I I like I like what I, I like what I see from Terrence Ferguson. Though he's he fits that element because he, he's another energetic guy. This is already the best defensive team in basketball, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the way they play and stuff. So, and he can knock down the three. He's another shooter. He adds to the offensive um, versatility because that's what they need right now. Defensively, the Knicks are top, top tier, and, and they, they they play best with the best of them. And they're not even at full strength on their front court. So, the offensively is where they needed some buckets. They needed some some shot making ability. And Terrence Ferguson is not a he doesn't create off the dribble. He's not a shot maker per se, but uh, catching fruit, he's pretty pretty good and he's athletic and he knows how to run the floor. So. I feel like it's a nice pickup. It's not really what they needed, but I wasn't really looking for the Knicks to make a big splash move right now. Their, their moves are going to be made next offseason and free agency next year and stuff like that. So I, I feel like Terrence Bergen is just another added piece to their rebuild stage. Absolutely there. We know something. doesn't matter what it is. New York always sucks itself. They're looking at summer 2021, Mike, for a big-name guy this season. But when we come back, we switch to the NFL. Free agency, trades, trades, leading up to the NFL draft. What is the Niners up to? We'll discuss that. <laughs> this W Podcast Radio Show. Only one place you could listen to. It's here on WNSC Radio. We are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show for our second segment here on the show. Our next guest today, um, I, I used to see him a while, all the time on the hallways, but now uh, one of the beat writers for the Eagles, um, a guy that definitely watches the Eagles very closely um, there in Lincoln Financial Field and also contributed for UCF Athletics. My guy, Q, Quentin Rodriguez, is on the line with us here today. Quentin. Pleasure to have you on the show. 
Uh, thanks for having me, Sebi, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That was quite the welcome, quite the introduction. I'm humbled, bro. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And it's crazy. Like you said, we used to always see each other in passing in the Nicholson Communication Building. But now look at us now. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Talking live on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely there as well. Uh, first and foremost, um, before we start off here, um, in the midst of all of this craziness, um, that is coronavirus, this invisible monster, uh, the family, yourself, how, how are things going? Yeah, everything's good. Everything's been good, man. Basically, we've just been trying to control what we can control, you know, um, try not to think of too many things that we don't have um, the power of to, like, overcome ourselves. But besides that, we're all hanging in there, man. Absolutely. Let's talk about something that you watch very closely out there in your Philadelphia blog. There's what the Eagles, the Eagles in the midst of all free agency. We understand that there's a lot of guys. They're kind of like in, not in this rebuild, but more of like retool. Um, Zach Ertz is up in the market. You have some other guys, Carson Wentz era. The, that regime is over now. But let's talk about what happened today. They traded um, up, traded down actually with the uh, with the Miami Dolphins um, picks, and they swapped the picks there. Um, went down to twelve, and they picked up a late third rounder as well. In, in your mind, what is the Philadelphia trying to do? Uh, man, what are they trying to do? Well, it looks like at that point, they were actually trying to get a quarterback because prior to that, there were some reports coming out that um, before Miami Dolphins um, dealt the pick to the San Francisco 49ers, that Howie Roseman was on the phone and he was trying to, you know, probably get that pick. And there were reports coming out saying that they were likely trying to acquire Zach Wilson. Now, me personally, I don't know if I would go ahead and mortgage the future and go ahead and make that trade. They traded back to 12, as we know. It looks like um, that they won't be able to draft an impact player, such as I was hoping, such as a Devontae Smith, a Jamar Chase, a Jalen Waddle, maybe, even a Kyle Pitts from the tight end position. But we all know what type of talent he could be in the league. So it seems as though they're really trying to retool, as you said, into the future. Because if you look at it now, Philadelphia now has the potential to have three first-round picks with this move in the year 2022 because they will hold their own, which I think will probably be, will likely be a top-10 pick. And then they could also have the Miami Dolphins pick, which they just acquired, which I believe will probably be within the back half of the draft, paired with the um, Indianapolis Colts pick if Carson Wentz does, in fact, play 75% of the snaps. So it seems as though 2021 – I feel like they just want to see what they have, evaluate the roster with Jalen Hurts, and then see maybe in 2022 if maybe that's the direction they're trying to go. If they are trying to, if they are still trying to acquire a quarterback, I personally don't agree with it. I feel like if you were going to get a QB, this would be the year to do it. I'm just not the biggest of Zach Wilson's fans, but we're just going to have to see. So I definitely do think that they're gearing a little bit more towards the 2022 season as opposed to the 2021. With that being said, in your mind, we, we saw – um, Jalen Hurts rise late into the year last year. It's just they had a different feel in the offense. The offense just had a different jolt, a different boost. In your mind, do you think he is the guy? Um, is he deserving to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? That, that's a lot of expectations, especially in that franchise. Yes, sir. I mean, now, in hindsight, I definitely believe so. But I just whenever he was initially selected with the 53rd overall pick in last year's draft, I was absolutely livid. I, could, I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Especially considering the Carson Wentz contract. I just couldn't, like, you know, I just couldn't really wrap my mind around it. I couldn't really fathom it. But now, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We all know the saying. And it looks like that Jalen Hurts did provide a spark for the Eagles in 2020 after the whole Carson Wentz saga. And now... I love Carson Wentz. He was one of my favorite players when he was here in Philadelphia. The only pro bowler that we've had within the past five years, which is insane to say. And now he's not even no longer on a team. 
But it was time to move on, especially after the horrible season that we just had. Just a whole bunch of locker room chemistry, a bunch of issues, this, that, and the third. But I do feel like with Jalen Hurst being a little bit of a younger buck, he can relate to some of the um, other guys coming into the locker room. And especially we do have a lot of young receivers, too. So they kind of gravitate towards Jalen Hurts as well. But I definitely do think that he showed some flashes, showed some potential that we could definitely build on going into 2021 with the new coaching staff. Nice, nice, Quentin. When, um, for the Philadelphia Eagles this year, like as far as the NFC East is concerned, uh, for this upcoming season, they're projected to be one of the worst, if not the worst, team in the division this year. And um, a lot of that has to do with the lack of understanding where a direction they want to go with the quarterback and stuff like that. But do you feel like, you know, the last time we saw this Eagles team being projected to be one of the worst teams in the division, they won the Super Bowl. So do you feel like this this team right here? Is gonna be is, is a situation where they could they could fly under the radar and revisionist history could come as far as a team that could be very uh, dangerous moving forward being uh, under the radar from the media. I do think so. I mean, I think you made a great point, Michael. I mean, with the year that they did win went big and when they did win the Super Bowl, I mean, they were seven and nine the year before. They didn't really have a lot of expectations, especially now, you know, coming off of an 11 loss season. I mean, I really can't believe I'm saying that. I feel like the birds they will be competitive similar to what they were in the year before they won the Super Bowl that I just mentioned. I feel like they're going to be in some games. I feel like, you know, they'll be a little bit better than what they were. I feel like they might be a six, seven win team is is going to be their cap, especially considering that they traded down in this year's draft. Gotcha. But we're just going to have to see, definitely. But I do feel like that they're going to prioritize the development of Jalen Hurts. And then on top of that, we just got to think it's going to be a brand new coaching staff. Um, Hurts' his first year starting, as we mentioned, a lot of younger guys coming in, even though the Eagles did trade back. Now they um, actually did add another draft pick. They added a fourth-round pick. So now they have 12 total picks in this draft. So I really feel like the 2021 season, we might see a little bit more of the same. There's a lot of questions about the quarterback position for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what other positions on offense or defense do you feel like they need to fill a, a very necessary void, uh, in, in whether it's in the draft or free agency, anything like that? Yes, sir. So actually, I'll give you two. I'll give you one on offense and one on defense. And I feel like I say it every year. So I'm going to go with wide receiver and cornerback. We all know that the Philadelphia Eagles secondary has been in shambles. I mean, ever since Asante Samuel left, I mean, say what you will about him, even though he was a little bit more obviously, I mean, excuse me, of a cornerback that likes to play the ball. That man had interceptions and he was a lockdown corner. He did what he had to do. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Yep, I really hope that he gets it. Yes, sir. That's something we could all agree on. I like that. And plus, he went to UCF, so you know we got to definitely go <laughs> and support for Asante Samuel. Shout out to his son too, out of Florida State, who could be a potential Philadelphia Eagle. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I do feel like they should upgrade the cornerback position because they really haven't had a top flight guys, and they've definitely they've swung. They've had they have tried to improve the position time and time again, but they just haven't exactly hit on it. Like we've seen with the Byron Maxwell big contract back right. in 2015, I believe. And the same thing with Nambi Austin Ball. It's really been a problem for nearly a decade. And I feel like, you know, maybe now since they traded down, they, they will be able to acquire a cornerback, especially with the 12th overall pick. Like, I'm looking at a guy, um, J.C. Horn, out of the University of South Carolina. I feel like he should be pretty good. Yes. He's more of a physical, yes. physical, yes. physical, yeah, the physical type of corner. So I feel like he would be someone that could help the Philadelphia Eagles. And then um, circling back to my other selection, which I said, wide receiver now I really feel like if we would have stayed at six they could have definitely drafted either Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith as I mentioned before but 
wide receiver has also been an issue for the Philadelphia Eagles for seemingly years as well. I mean, they haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver in nearly um, a decade either. Oh, excuse me. Actually, since Jeremy Macklin was the last 1,000-yard receiver that the Philadelphia Eagles had in 2014. So, you know, I'm not the best at math. So, that's still – it's been a while. Yeah, so that's that almost being... seven seasons. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it's definitely been a, it's definitely been a while. So, I would definitely say wide receiver and – Cornerback are the two positions that the Philadelphia Eagles should definitely circle on their needs list this season. Yeah. Well, excuse me, um, heading out into the NFL draft. Yeah, um, one thing about this, and you mentioned it earlier, you said that in the last five seasons, even in their Super Bowl run, Carson Wentz has only been the one pro bowler that they've had. Now, that's insane because, I mean, Zach yeah. is all pro. I mean, you've also got that great offensive line, Lane Johnson, uh, Jason Peters. The only thing is he can't stay upright, always getting banged up. But uh, Jason Kelsey, um, you've got some uh, other great talent on that defense as well. Fletcher Cox, all pro, but only one pro bowler. They haven't really hit in the draft outside of uh, Carson Wentz. So does the blame go to uh, uh, to Howie Roseman here, Jed Laurie? Um, there's been notion that, you know, the Philadelphia fans has been very unsatisfied with how they've drafted in the past. Um, do Does the GM, the executive, deserve some blame for this? Oh, definitely, 100%. I mean, if it was up to me, I definitely would have preferred if Howard Roseman would have left the building instead of Doug Peterson. Now, you know, obviously, I'm just a college student, but I definitely I definitely do believe that um, Howard Roseman has definitely set the team back. I mean, I really feel like he did set the team up to be what it was last season with the 4-11-1 season because let's just, look, let's just look. Let's just look at it. And free agency last year, like, this is just basically looking at it from last year alone. They signed defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, who in hindsight, it was a good signing but he didn't really come on until the latter half of the year. He did have like five or six sacks, something along those ranges, but I do believe it was with, within the final five games. Eagles, you know, only had three, four wins at the time. And plus, it was kind of a questionable signing at the same time because like you mentioned, Sebi, they have Fletcher Cox. They had Malik Jackson. The defensive line was pretty stacked. Right. And then on top of that, just how we talked about the misses in the draft at the wide, at the wide receiver position, they actually elected to draft Jalen Rager with the 21st overall mm. pick. But we all know who was drafted the very next at 22, Justin Jefferson, who was yeah. probably the best wide receiver. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then who knows, the Eagles and probably Howie Roseman, they probably only viewed and valued him as a slot type of guy. You know what I mean? And we all know. D.D. Lamb as well. They passed up on him as well. Quentin. Yep. Exactly. That, that is a great point, Sebi. And let me tell you something, which is just so asinine. This is this is what, what I can't believe. So they let the arch rival Dallas Cowboys <laughs> draft C.D. Lamb with the 17th overall pick. When you know that the Philadelphia Eagles need a wide receiver, why couldn't you just package that pick? Why couldn't you just try to orchestrate a trade and send your second round pick to the Atlanta Falcons and go ahead and jump over them with the 16th pick? But you know why they didn't want to go ahead and um, trade their second round pick away in that year's draft? because they went ahead and they drafted a backup quarterback, Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? So it's just like they haven't been hitting in the draft. They haven't exactly been using their assets, and they've been burning through quite a bit of draft capital within the past few seasons. And it even stems back into 2017, if we think about it, because we look at the first um, their first-round selection, Derek Barnett, who um, has only had – a career high of seven and a half sacks within his five seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's heading into his fifth season, and that's not really the best production you would like from your first-round pick. Right. Same thing with Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones didn't exactly pan out. Right. Same thing with Rasul Douglas. They're both cornerbacks, but then it's just difficult to see them thriving in other situations. So 
I would definitely say that the drafting has the drafting by Howie Roseman has set the team back within the past, I would say, three years. When you look at the NFC East as a division, you see Washington get better. You know, they signed Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel under the radar. I think that's a great pick for Washington. I think yes. they've got one of the best lines in the NFL, if not the best defensive line. And then you see the moves that Michael's New York football giants have made, right? Uh, getting Kenny Galladay, a guy that your Eagles had the capital to get, and maybe some of the other pieces that they got, Kyle Rudolph and stuff, and, and Dak Prescott getting his paid his money. When you look at the whole division here, what what team to you stands out as like, okay, maybe this season, but also in the rear future, this is a team that Philadelphia has to worry about. Oh, I would definitely say the New York Giants. Um, yeah, honestly, I mean, I mean, the thing is with the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, they are what they are. You know, they always have a lot of talent. We know what happens whenever December comes around. You know, there's just a black cat running around with the organization. But besides that, I really feel like the New York Giants are primed to be probably a contender within the NFC East within the next five seasons, within the next within the um, foreseeable future. Because we look at what they did in free agency. Well, let, let, let's take it back. What did they really lack? A true number one playmaker on the offense outside of Saquon Barkley, obviously. Yeah. Now, I believe you have that in the instant plug-and-play guy with Kenny Galladay. I mean, he's a possession type of receiver. You know, Danny Dimes, he could just throw it up, and then Galladay's going to go up there and get it. Also, they needed, cor- they needed a corner. We don't exactly know what Adoree Jackson will be, you know, coming off of his injury, and then he did show flashes, ups and downs at Tennessee, but I feel like Adoree Jackson will be a good player, especially playing outside of James Bradbury, who had a Pro Bowl season, you know, he's definitely um, he's definitely worth the money, I would say. Def- and then also with the defensive line, I feel like they're pretty good up front as well. And who knows, even with their draft selection, that they could even go pucker away this, in this year's draft. They could land a player such as Jalen Waddle. They could even try to add someone on the defensive side, such as Michael Parsons. And I just feel like the New York Giants are going to be a good team. It all just depends on the quarterback, though. We did see even ups and downs from Daniel Jones. He played good at times, played bad at times. But I do feel like maybe with the receiver and a healthy Saquon Barkley, they could be a threat in this year's NFC East. Yeah, it's a big year for Danny Dimes. He has to be. He has to improve. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is music to my ears. Quinn. Everything you just said was just music to my ears. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't knock anything you were saying, man. But you, but, yeah, but man. You, you made a good point. You made an interesting point about our defensive line because I feel like that's where we need to assure the most because um, we, we lost Dalvin Thomas and that was a huge piece in the middle but we we also re-signed Leonard Williams so on that perspective yeah. we need so we have the middle clogged up run, running and, and getting pressure on the quarterback my, my my thing is we need some we need to get somebody on the outside what do you what, on the edge, what, are, you, yes, what are your thoughts on somebody like a Gregory Rousseau from Miami or, or somebody like that, oh. that, that that would take off the pressure from Leonard Williams and really get that pressure on the outside Certainly. I mean, that's honestly the name that I had, Gregory Rousseau, in mind, because if you look at it, I mean, he's kind of the similar pass rusher to who the New York Giants once, once had in Justin Tuck. Right. And also, you see Yumanora kind of like, you know, that, that tall, lanky kind of guy. And especially, like, even though he's tall, like, they're still athletic. They'll be able to um, use their pass, special pass rush moves to get across the edge. And I just feel like, like you said... If you have someone to compliment them on the edge, that just means that those D tackles going to be moving the pocket. You know what I mean? Forcing that quarterback rush out to the edge. Boom. There you go. There's Gregory Rousseau on the outside. And he's a pretty good run defender, too, than, um, than a lot of people give him credit for. So I feel like um, if they do decide to um, go defense in that direction, that they should draft someone like nice. Rousseau. Interesting. Let's let's make it to a broader landscape here. You talk about all the free agency. A lot of teams have, have made moves, especially the Patriots. But there's also some other uh, big teams that's, that's made uh, big moves. The Colts getting Carson Wentz. 
Uh, we see the draft mm-hmm. capital that Miami and the 49ers are doing. Um, some other key pieces, Patrick Peterson now with the Vikings. You have A.J. Green now with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Any other teams outside of your division that stands out to you? I would have to say, I mean, New England's done, I would say that they've done a good job creating the headlines. I mean, obviously that they've made the most splashes and everything like that. I do feel like um, some of their players, I'm just kind of interested to see how they plan out, especially with how Bill Belichick um, is going to do with the two tight end sets. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they just drafted a tight end. And last year's draft, his name is kind of escaping my memory right now. And then also Tom you know, the and Asiata. Henry. Yeah, Asiata. I know you're talking. Yes, right. exactly. So, so exactly. So then you just brought in four tight ends within the past year, calendar year and a half. You know what I mean? So we're just gonna have to see how that goes. I feel like Nelson Aguilar is a little bit more of a slot type of guy, but he did have a good season. He did deserve to get paid. But I'm trying to think of any of any other teams that have really caught my eye. I mean, the New York Giants have been also having. A good free agency. I mean, I I I hate to say it, but (laughs) they have been definitely improving their team. And then I I guess I'll keep it in the NFC East. I do feel like paying Dak was a good move. I mean, as much as I'm going to hate it, you know what I mean? Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. We do realize how much the Dallas Cowboys suffered without him. But even when he did play within the first five games, they were really an Atlanta Falcons onside kick away from being 0-4. You know, a lot of people a lot of people fail to realize that. So Dallas definitely does still have a lot of work to do. They're going to have to draft well, especially considering their cap space since, you know, Dak is, right. his salary is p- pretty up there. But I do feel like that was a good move to finally get the deal Quinn, done. Right. Quinn, Quinn, talk to me about the Russell Wilson situation. Do you see a, a situation where, do you feel like, you know, he stays in, in Seattle and they're able to work it out and, you know, this is everything is really just being blown out of proportion? Or do you see, do you see a situation where, yo, he's not, he's unhappy there, he doesn't want to be there anymore, and there's other teams on the market that are trying to value return very for him. Uh, and if you do, what, what's some of the best spots for him to, to land outside of Seattle? Got you, 100%. So I do feel like we, um, especially in today's era, we are trending in the direction where the players have a lot more power than what they used to do. And I do feel as though if Russell Wilson really wants to leave the Seattle Seahawks, that he will find his way to orchestrate a trade. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be this season. I think that those rumors have might have been put to bed. But let's just see. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, they kind of have an uphill uphill battle, um, especially in their division. We know that the Rams have gotten better, especially the Arizona Cardinals. Um, some of their signings, oh, that's a signing that I think is good, too, just for, like, the last segment, too. A.J. Brown going there. I mean, excuse me. A.J. Green going to the Arizona Cardinals. Right. I think uh, that makes them exponentially better. Absolutely. Better. And – and also, just that's going to be a tough division. So, and um, we're just going to have to see to see JJ if the White offensive well. line holds yep. holds up for them. Yep, JJY, exactly. So <laughs> they're going to have they're going to have a little bit of a tough time in that division. I would say that's definitely the best division in football right now. Right. So we're just going to have to see. But as far as potential suitors, I mean, I definitely think the the Chicago Bears would be good. They definitely were were a team that were interested, trying to see what they could get for him. But I just really feel like that they need to improve their overall situation before they could acquire a player like that. Let's see what they do in this year's drafts. But I think the Chicago Bears would be a good suitor. I would have said the San Francisco 49ers, but now I definitely think that they're going to take a quarterback with the third overall pick. But, hey, who would have known? That would have been crazy if we would have yeah. if we would have seen um, Russell Wilson in the 49ers yeah. uniform. Right? It's, it's, it's crazy. I saw them move today, and I was like, are they really trying to get draft capital maybe to move for Deshaun Watson? But it hit me. Maybe Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or maybe one of those two guys they're trying to get. We, we know we got to talk about the hometown yeah. team, Quentin. Our, our uh, alumni, obviously, the the UCF Knights. Yes, um, they've got a couple quality players in this draft that can definitely 
have great value for a, a contending team or maybe change the fortunes for uh, a, a below average team. Talk to me about some of these guys that you got your eyes on. Oh, man. Well, first of all, I would really just like to say, you know, shout out to UCF football. I didn't really go the way that the guys planned. We had some opt outs. You know, we had a lot of injuries this year, like, you know, some questions with the coaching staff. But I'm really proud of the way that them boys play six to four season. But it is what it is. I'm definitely happy to see how everyone is responding to the new Gus Malzahn era. But as far as players um, coming into this year's draft, I'm going to give you three defensive backs. Yeah. Richie Grant. Yes. Yes. Aaron Robin, Aaron Robinson, and yeah, Tay Gowan. Yep. Yeah. Although, yep, yep, that's it. Although Tay Gowan did not play in 2020, he opted out due to um, COVID concerns because of his premature daughter. Tay Gowan is a beast. I mean, he's listed at six two. I believe he's over two twenty. I believe he's excuse me. He's around um, slightly underneath two hundred pounds, but he'll lock you up. He's extremely good at press man coverage. You can leave him alone on an island. Like I remember often in twenty nineteen season that he was just left alone on the island and guarding the opposing team's best wide receiver. Very good, talented um, corner prospect. And then if we look at someone like um, Aaron Robinson, although he did play a lot of time um, in the slot. I would say that he's a you could insert him and start him day one at the, at the at the nickelback position. He's shown the ability to cover tight ends, tackle in space, and he's also pretty athletic. We've seen him t- crib a few touchdowns. He had two career pick six, pick sixes, so he's pretty explosive when he gets the ball in the hand in his hands. Also, like Richie Grant, Richie Grant, I can't say enough the about man is he's special. Right he's special player. Yes. He, he's he, he's uh, I predict him to be a top 50 pick. No question. Richie Grant, R- Richie Grant, he's such a great guy. He's done a lot of things for UCF, you know, always going live, always showing love on Twitter. Like, you know, always gives great press conferences. He's a great guy. And I'm just really happy to see him. Just really happy to see him see the fact that he had a great uh, senior bowl and everyone was really just acknowledging his talents. He really doesn't have any holes in his game. I mean, he's a sure, sure tackle, tack, tackler, has a nose for the ball. You could even put him into subpar packages, have him even play a little bit of LB. He could play that box safety role. He could really do it all. He's a utility man on defense. Also, I mean, I know they were wear the same number. I know this might be a little bit of a stretch, but he kind of reminds me of Malcolm Jenkins the way he plays mm. the position. Interesting, bro. interesting. Mike, this is our favorite time of the uh, of the uh, show where we kind of get into the personal life of some of our guests um, off the gridiron. As for you, um, Mike, you want to go ahead and start it off? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, let's do let's do overrated or underrated. The NBA the okay. NBA season so far. Mm, think so? Overrated. I think so. I mean, if I'm just being completely honest, I haven't really kept up with too much NBA. But overall, man, I did see that there were some crazy moves that went down at the deadline. But the only reason why I'm saying overrated, honestly, is because I just don't have enough oh, um, information on the topic. Got you. <laughs> got you, got you. Overrated or underrated? Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I would say that this is a good move, but let's just say underrated now. I mean, but let's just say even with the with the new signing of Deshaun Jackson, let's see how many games he plays. But I really feel like L.A. Rams are going to make some noise this year. I feel like it's at least NFC Championship game or bust for them. I feel like Matt Stafford could have an MVP type of season. I mean, we always know that that man has has yes. We we always know that that man has had a plethora of talent. But let's just let's just look at him now. You are inserted into 
the Los Angeles Rams, who have an offensive-minded coach. They, he likes to keep his quarterback in good situations. We've seen that even with Jared Goff, although he was turnover-prone. You don't really see the San Francisco – I mean, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You really don't see the Los Angeles Rams taking too many risks. They like to run the football. We see that they have a good running game, something that Matthew Stafford has never had before. So I feel like they'll be able to rely on the plethora of backs that they have, such as, um, such as w- Williams. And I just feel like that they're going to be one of the better teams in the West this year. Absolutely. And and he's going to get one thing that he never had in Detroit. Excellent defense led by two all pros, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. So yeah. got to give that up to them. Mike, go ahead. Uh, overrated or underrated? The Chargers moving to L.A.? Mm, I would say overrated. I kind of do like the San Diego I do too. Chargers. It gives you like, you know, that. That, that that nice vintage throwback type of feel, you know. I kind of I'm a fan of those old navy blue uniforms that they, that they used to rock. And then on top of that, uh, yep. And then on top of that, you know, I mean, there's already been teams in LA that's been done before. I thought San Diego was cool, but I don't know. Bigger market, more TV money, more media, everything like that. So I understand. Uh, overrated or underrated? Russell Wilson to the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas, they're looking for a face. You know, it's Vegas. Las Russell Wilson to Vegas. Uh, I would say that's a little bit that that's underrated. I mean, I think that's pretty that 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 can make some noise. Like, I, like I'm saying underrated, like like as in the fact that like people won't really people wouldn't really predict it. But I feel like it would be a pretty good pairing. I mean, if you think about it, you know that you're gonna get coached. You know that you're gonna get coached by Gruden, by Gruden. And then on top of that, you're gonna have a pretty good athletic tight end that you can line up in multiple positions with Waller. You have some young bucks at, right there at the receiver position. Maybe Russ could be the one to unlock um, Henry Ruggs heading into next season. Maybe get. Um, we all know that Russell Wilson has an extremely accurate deep ball, and um, their running back Jonathan Jacobs is extremely talented as well. So who knows? That definitely does sound like a good pairing. I actually like that analysis. Absolutely, Eddie. there as well. This, Go ahead, Mike. This, this or the, do you work out, Quinn? Uh, I do not. No, I should. I, I should, but I do not. But you have in the past, though, right? When you when you did work out, uh, yeah. that, were you a physical weights or cardio? I would say cardio. You know, you said like okay. a few jogs here and there. Awesome, awesome. Um, let's put it like this: um, overrated or underrated? The the Sean Watson saga with the massage therapist. Uh, well, I would say a little bit, uh, well, de- depending on if the allegations right. are true, because I've seen like, you know, tw- Twitter is not exactly the best place to like, you know, have a civil discussion about this matter. And I've just been seeing insane things happen. But if, if the allegations are true, I would say, you know, underrated, I, I would say underrated because like, you know, too many people are taking it mm. for granted. If it right, is true. right, right, right. I don't know. It just seems a little fishy, yeah. right? He's wanting to leave. And then all of a yes. sudden, sixteen yeah. women come out and, and make allegations. A little bit, a little bit interesting. Interesting for me. Um, um, this or that: reading books or watching a good movie or a show mm. series. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the series. Okay. What What you currently binge watching, my man? No, man. I mean, honestly, I haven't really been watching too much TV. Too much TV. Not really. I've just mostly just been working on my laptop, everything like that. But I will give you a little bit of a throwback. Whenever I do get a chance to watch some TV, I pop the DVDs in and I watch some throwback mm. Dragon Ball Z, uh, baby. Let's see. This, this, this or that. Uh, Air Jordans or... Hmm, Jordans or... Let's go Let's go KD. Jordans or KDs? Shoes-wise. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with. with uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Jordans. I mean, I'm so, I'm so, I'm sorry, Mike, but no matter what you say, no matter what you say <laughs> next to the Jordan, I'm taking that all day. 
I'm taking I'm taking the gentleman all day. I say that as I have on my board. <laughs> no, 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 100%. I mean, a little shameless plug, man. Oh, I'm rocking okay. my Bortle 7s right now, oh, so, you know, oh, I have to man. go with the jump, man. Shoe game <laughs> on point. Shoe game on point. Man, IQ, it's been a pleasure yeah. uh, to have you on our show. You got to be, uh, for sure, one of our, um, on our shortlist as a returning guest in the foreseeable future. Perhaps maybe some post-NFL uh, um, draft stuff with your Eagles and, and pretty much the NFL all around the landscape. But, folks, if you want to connect with Quentin, the description box to connect with him and some of the great things that he's doing outside of just covering the Philadelphia Eagles will be in the description box below. But my man, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Now I really appreciate it. It's going to be a long time coming, man. I would love to come back 100%. You guys gave me a nice warm welcome. I appreciate this conversation. Happy to connect. And yeah, keep doing your thing, brother. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate it. Yep. We all got to grind. Yes, sir. Yes, we all too. When we come back, Mike and I, we wrap things up. We switch to what March is all about. The madness that is March. We head to the Sweet 16, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Stay tuned. back here inside studios you are third and final segment mike lots of raise for quentin rodriguez man that that is that's my guy that's my guy mike you know when when you got somebody and you say that's your guy that the quentin that that's high q that's my guy that's my guy right there. that's how it's, 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 it's all about good energy i can tell you know he's hungry for this sports uh journalism thing yeah when you have like-minded individuals around you that's somebody that you need you need in your circle so hats off to the good brother i hope to have him on again soon Absolutely there as well. Future endeavors for him as we speak. Our third and final segment, March is all about March Madness. And boy, Mike, I, after day one, I tore up my bracket. I was like, Look, <laughs> not only should I tear it up, I should go ahead and shred it because we I had Illinois in the final four. I was the guy that had Illinois to go to their first final four since the Darren Williams days. I had them winning the whole damn thing, Mike. And then next thing you know, though, and two days in the span of 72 hours, this team just wet the bed against Loyola Chicago. Now, granted, we know Loyola Chicago for for, for about the recent memory, Mike. They've been some giant killers, especially low seed. They are well coached. They are well coached by that guy. I think his name is Pet- Peter Moses or Peter Moses. I don't know his name. Coach, that coach got hit, hit those guys playing very well. Um, Ohio State or Robert. I mean, Mike, this is the first time in NCAA tournament history where we've had four 13 and under seeds make it to the Sweet 16. You're talking about Oral Roberts. You're talking about Loyola Chicago. You are also um, who, who am I? Who am I missing, Mike? I know I'm missing out some other teams. Uh, the Beavers. The Beavers of Oregon Beavers, State. Yeah, you had Ohio was in there at one point. Yeah. Ohio as well. So. My day, this is unbelievable what we saw in those first 72 hours of the first and second round matchups of the NCAA tournament, Mike. A tournament that day one, I know nobody had everything right after day one, especially after uh, the first round, period. Nobody had it right. 
everybody's bracket is busted at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I, I I threw mine away. The team I picked to win the championship couldn't even get out the first weekend. So I was just like, oh man, it was it was right, right. You had Texas, had right? Texas, yeah. They couldn't even get out the first weekend, man. So you're right, but that's what college basketball is about. And Sebi, a lot of it trickles down to out of all these teams that were mentioned, what is one of the what is one of the main things they all have in common? Is that majority of these teams have seniors on their roster. And when you have seniors on your rosters, you have guys who it's a pride thing. You don't want to – you bust your tail for four years straight and you're finally at a point or you got to a point you know this is your last hurrah. It's a pride, as a pride thing, you don't want to lose to a freshman or somebody that this is their first year, things like that. So I feel like that has a lot to do with it with those mid-major schools who have four-year players, players that are there for years and years to come that are experienced in the tournament, like a Loyola Chicago. We've, like you said, we've seen them in the tournament for years upset teams to the point where you almost can't call it and upset if they beat a top team anymore. It's, it's, it's routine for them. So these 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 teams, these guys, they're, they're, um, they're, they're hungry, and you, you see it every year in the tournament. There's always some big-time upsets and teams that are more experienced and more ready to go, and, they, and they're coming in and they're, and they're taking on these, these teams who may have better talent, who may be hyped up a little bit more as far as the players, certain individuals on the team. But as from, from a team perspective, they're, they're more ready for that moment of March Madness than, um, than, than, than the other. So that, that's, that's one of my biggest takeaways from these upsets. Man, I'm, I wasn't surprised. I anticipated it to be a lot of upsets. I was just surprised that the pick I made wasn't one of the biggest upsets. And, and the pick I made was the team. <laughs> they, they went home in the second round. Uh, there as well. The team you picked didn't even make it out in the first game, <laughs> so which is crazy. Losing to how did you feel losing to a Christian school, Mike? That that must be that must be uh, embarrassing there as well. Let's talk about some teams that really caught my eye. USC. Let's talk. Let's put this into perspective, Mike. The Big Twelve, the Pac Twelve, excuse me, Pac-12, yeah. was very, very, very impressive in this tournament, Mike. Yep. They're something crazy, nine and one into or ten and one. I think they were really went under the radar. Um, Rick Pitino and I in the Iona Gales, although they lost in the first round, he said that he thought the Pac-12 was very underrated. Everybody talked about the the Big Ten and the Big 12, and I did too. I raved about both of those um, things. But you look at the Big Ten, it, Michigan is the lone team standing in the Big Ten. Everybody else is out. So it's it's crazy. And then we know, um, obviously, Baylor's doing well and, 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 and stuff. But other than that, the, the, the Big 12 hasn't done very well. But the Pac-12, you talk about Colorado. USC, Mike. Well, USC is very impressive to me. What they did against Kansas, Mike, they, uh, they put they were up 40 at one point. You have to deal with the brothers, Isaiah Mobley, and of course, Evan Mobley is going to be a top 10 pick. Um, Oregon State, who won the Pac 12 tournament. Oregon as well, um, who plays USC in an all Pac 12, the Sweet 16, and, and some of these other teams. The Pac 12 has done very well, Mike. And again, USC caught my attention. You, you have to deal with those Mobley brothers. USC caught my attention because they spread the ball around. They have a dominant front court and they have dom- they, they have they have dominance from the guard position as well. And when when you have that balance, that creative balance all over the field, there's there's not no dominant scorer. Everybody, you know, it's it's a real balance with this USC team. And on any given night, that's troublesome for for uh, opponents. But the scariest team, in my opinion, in this conference is is Oregon. I mean, Oregon can just flat out go. I mean, from a guard position, yeah. they have three guards that can absolutely uh, just to tear the lights out, shoot the lights out, get get the ball in transition and go. I mean, these guys are special. LJ Figueroa is somebody who transferred over from St. John's. I covered uh, him a few times uh, covering Georgetown last year. He was somebody who you could you felt like his confidence was getting shot, Sebi, last year with St. John's. He just didn't seem like that same player. They were losing a lot of games. They had won a game in the tournament, but uh, it just it, 
he didn't seem like the same player. Coming back to Oregon this year, he has rejuvenated himself. He looks like uh, he's much more, much more motivated. And uh, he had a great game the other day uh, in, 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 their, in their matchup against Iowa. Yeah, um, I, I believe it was. The other day had a great, had a great game, twenty-one and seven. Uh, I, I love what I'm saying to Chris Duarte. Mm-hmm. He's playing great basketball. I mean, these guys can really play, and uh, they have some nice front court players as well. So the speed of this Oregon team and the combination of just great guard play from all three guys. It's very special to me. But, yeah, this Big 12, they're very impressive. Absolutely there for sure. Back to back also, to you know, Colorado, they put a beat down on on uh, 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 your Georgetown team. Yeah, yeah. My goodness, yeah. Mike. I mean, I had them on a parlay. I, I didn't survive the first half. They were down 24. <laughs> I was like, well, this yeah. is good. Uh, so the Pac-12, very, very impressive there to me as well. I thought Jawan Howard's team um, was impressive to me, Mike, because uh, there was noise that not a lot of people picked. Um, you know, Michigan to get out of their region. I didn't. I, I had Alabama. Alabama's still standing. Uh, they're the two seed in the lower uh, bracket on that same region there. But um, Hunter Dickinson has just come alive. And guys like Eli Brooks and Charlie Brown, the transfer from yes. Huge, Mike, huge off the bench. 21 points with the absence of Isaiah Livers. They're supposed to get Isaiah Livers sometime, maybe in the region semifinals or maybe in the final if they get to the Elite Eight. But uh, Michigan, they're rounding into form, and now we're starting to see that team that we thought that had those, you know, national title aspirations, and not the team that we saw in the last six uh, weeks in the Big Ten play. Sebi, when you come out and, and you're as dominant as Michigan was, they're, they're, you, you're susceptible to having a situation where you have a little, a bit of a mini lapse through the season. And the best thing for Michigan was the fact that that situation didn't happen during the tournament. The fact that they were to get that get that little um, that uh, momentary lapse out of their system before the tournament started. I know it was during the conference tournament. They weren't able to uh, to capture the, the Big Ten championship. But at the same time, they're still here in the dance, and they were able to get some mojo back. I mean, like you said, when, when you're called upon and when, you're, when, you're, when, you, when you have to answer the call and your opportunity, your, your number is called, you have to answer the call. And that's exactly what Sean D. Brown did. They do not get out of that LSU game without Sean D. Brown and with the, his, his huge 27 minutes and 21 points coming off so uh I, that that was impressive it shows the depth of this team it shows the confidence that these brothers have that Jawan Howard has in these guys uh I love what I'm seeing from Michigan now hopefully they, they can keep it keep it moving forward but that that last game against LSU just showed the depth and how dominant this team can be when they when they spread the ball around yeah and and the LSU boy do they got some guys that could put the ball in the net as well yeah. I mean they got some guys there that yeah. those, those guards <laughs> Really, really, they were an underrated team in the SEC. Um, I, I thought there's well, our SEC has done very well too. Arkansas, Alabama, and some and some of these other um, teams uh, there as well. Um, uh, uh, let's talk about the darlings, the the Cinderella teams, Mike. I, Oral Roberts, right? I don't I don't want to talk about anything that starts with the word oral, you know. But uh, they caught my attention, Mike. I mean, they've got this guy. Max Umbus, who's the leading scorer in the nation, averaging about 29.5 points per game. And they got this big man named uh, Kevin. Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor. You know, a, a guy, a double-double machine um, yeah. there as well, averaging 11 rebounds. They are the highest-scoring tandem in, in in the NCAA right now as we speak, Mike. Those two guys, as a duo, pick and pop and pick and roll, you're going to have to deal with them. And I think, you know, wh- whoever they're playing next, I can't remember who they are, Mike, but – 
they're gonna have their hands full because they're playing Arkansas with Moses Moody. Arkansas, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but they're gonna have their hands full. This team right here, Mike, they could put the ball in the hoop. Max Umbus is a flat out baller. I baller. think they put, obviously they put Ohio State in notice and they are they put Florida in notice. And I think Arkansas better come with their A game because Umbus and O'Connor, they are load the load to deal with. Oh but O'Banner, I think his name is. O'Banner, yeah. Sorry about the He is so skilled. Is he not like one of the most skilled forwards in in the tournament right now? Like when right. I watch him, when I watch him play, like he can, like his finish at the rim, his his over over the top. Like the guy can, the guy can make plays in the box, especially from the mid range as well. Like I, I like what I'm saying from the brother. Like this combination is is special. These guys are on the roll. I mean, they they continue to dominate and they get the necessary help. Needed on both sides of the ball from the other players outside of Amos and O'Banner. But, uh, yeah, man, this is one of those Cinderella teams that we'll see how far they can go. This old Roberts team, they're the best Cinderella team left in the tournament. And uh, right now, we'll see how far they can go. I, I differ to that. I think Loyola Chicago is, man. I don't know if so? – I'm not sure if they're really a, a, a – if you consider eight seed a I don't, I don't. I don't consider them a, a, a Cinderella, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy, Mike. We come to a, a custom now. To yeah. They're not a – they're not a, a a Cinderella, which is which is crazy to even <laughs> uh, think about uh, for Loyola Chicago uh, um, there as well. But Oral Roberts, they're going to be uh, fun to watch. Let's talk about Syracuse, right? Syracuse, their team, Mike, they, they came out of nowhere. Buddy Beheim. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Mike. Whoa, I did not see that. Jim Beheim's son, Buddy Beheim. I mean, in the first two games combined, 55 points, he lit up. Uh, West Virginia. I was all, almost sure that Syracuse wouldn't get past uh, uh, West Virginia. How big they were inside and the physicality which they played, you know, against Bob Huggins' team after winning, um, you know, win 900, his team would come out and they'd come out and play. But man, oh my goodness, my buddy Behind lit them up. And <laughs> Houston, as great as they are here in the AAC, I got a chance to watch a lot of them uh, being in UCF's uh, conference, but you had better be ready for this buddy behind guy. Like Duncan Robinson and, and and Clay Thompson and these shooters, when they see the ball might go through the net and they start and they hit two and three, the floodgates open, the basket becomes a wide open pool. And that's what he's seen in the first two ball games. Uh, a Syracuse, they, they may have the ingredient to get back to the final four. So we, are, we see this. All the time. How many times have we seen this from Syracuse, man? This this guy, this guy Jim Bay, he just doesn't miss with this zone, man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't miss. And on and on top of that, this year he's really complimented that zone well with some nice quality shooting. Sebi, I know how big West Virginia is, but when you can shoot from Dame, when you can shoot from Curry, it doesn't matter how big you are because they're right. knocking shots down from almost half court. I mean, these guys are just knocking shots down, man. Uh Matt uh, uh Marzek Dolage. He's still there knocking shots down. Quentin Gurrier, Buddy Bayham, of course. He had a crazy 25-point game. Jo- Joseph Gerard III, he's a veteran that's still been there. He's been there for a while. And, uh, you know, just got these guys like that. And this team, they just have a nice mix of veteran leadership, young guys, and just knock down shooters who complement that zone very well. So uh, Syracuse is one of those teams to look out for because every year, because of how lethal that zone is, they're going to be a threat. But now that you complement that with the three-point shooting, that makes this team that much more lethal. Yeah, absolutely there for sure, Mike. Um, as we leave today, what what are what is the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight matchup that you've got your eyes closely on? There's some really great ones to pick from. I'm very interested in that Michigan-Florida State game because the mm. combination of Florida State's length 
uh, I feel like could give Michigan's offense some problems. However, I do feel like if Michigan gets hot offensively, I'm not too sure if Florida State has the firepower to hang with them in this game. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, which style which style uh, plays out the best in that matchup. But I'm also looking forward to that Syracuse-Houston game for all the reasons we just talked about. I mean, dude, just how how dominant Syracuse has been. But Houston has been a very quality team this year. And it's, it's looking like a situation where they should win this game, however. At tournament time, there's no such thing as should win in Syracuse uh, in the same sentence. So uh, Syracuse definitely has a an opportunity to max out and do, and do their thing. So I'm interested in those two matchups. I'm much interested in this Loyola team versus Oregon State. Under the radar guy, they got this Thompson guy, the Beavers. Um, they've been red hot. You could talk about their play through the conference tournament in the Pac-12 and what they've done in the first two ball games. Um, you know, just been lights out. So. I've got my eyes on them. And, of course, this USC and Oregon matchup. All nice. Pac-12, this is the third time these two teams are meeting. I'm not sure if they split or, 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 what, the mat, or the, what the score was in those first two rounds that they played. But Oregon, the way they play, up-tempo, fast-paced. They like to get up and down the floor against what USC has. And two front-court guys who are the modern-day NBA players. They're the four and five that can bring the ball up like Draymond Green. They can post you up down low. They can shoot the three. And then defensively, they've got defensive powers with their length like uh, Anthony Davis. So that is going to be interesting to me, uh, that Pat, all Pac-12 matchup. Yeah, that, that, I'm very interested in that USC Oregon game. The Pac-12 matchups is going to be uh, it's gonna be very epic. I, I, I feel like we're in, in for a great weekend, a great weekend this week, man. There's just a lot going on. Yep, absolutely there for sure. This is the time of the uh, show where Mike makes his closing arguments. Mike, take it away. Yes, closing arguments this week. I'm going to go with um, everything going on with the uh, Deshaun Watson situation. I want to talk to the young brothers out, you know, I, and I'm not uh, I'm not accusing Deshaun Watson of anything. I'm not accusing anybody of nothing. We don't know all the facts. Everything is still getting put out there. I do find it like I, I agree with your sentiments. I do find it strange and fishy that these stories come out of nowhere once he wants to, as soon as he wants to get traded it doesn't look right however i do want to speak to the brothers out there that may may be or are putting themselves in terrible positions like this understand your value understand your worth and understand that when you when you may reach a certain plateau when you reach a certain status as a celebrity or famous guy or, or your, your name is really loan out there you put yourself in a position where you're an easy target. There are people out there that are wanting to destroy you. There are women out there that want to destroy you. There are people they, they want to sabotage you. They want to take what you have. So you have to understand that and understand it's a doggy dog environment and move accordingly. Watch how you move. Watch how you move with everything in life, where it comes to your family, your children, the women in your life, the, anything. Brothers, make sure you make the right decision because it's not, I'm telling you right now, it's not. Uh, <laughs> It's not. It's not a fun world out there when you when you put catch yourselves in situations like Deshaun Watson is in right now. And I, I hope the brother comes out um, uh, sane in the situation. I hope everything comes out right, and um, I hope justice is served, whichever way it happens. We don't know what happens in reality, but whatever whatever happens in the universe will come to the light. So I hope I hope righteous is made and the righteous decision is made at the end of the day. But I um, just wanted to share light to the brothers. Put yourself in the right position because at the end of the day, there are people out here that want to take you down. Absolutely there for sure. Fortunes and fames can only get you so far if morals and integrity aren't being met there as well. Good point. That wraps it up, Mike, for our show today. Um, and for myself, we see you guys next week. Fun Phil Pat Action, the final four. So have some great guests uh, coming on with us. Uh, B Podcast Radio Show.
Hey everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected sebipodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.